Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to this week's episode of This Must Be The Gig. I am your host, Leo Phillips. And you pod people out there, if you have just tuned in for the first time, hello! This show is your official backstage pass to the world of live music, the ins and outs of the process via interviews with legendary artists, set designers, choreographers, and more. After this episode, make sure to go back a few weeks and binge the countless stories about the one gig that has changed people's lives. And you can find out which song it was, which venue it happened at, because my question is always, what would you note as the most memorable live performance of your life thus far? And in the studio, with me as you were your usual, as per your usual, he's smiling a lot. Hello, Adam. Hey, it's me, Engineer Adam. <laughs> that's hey, my new yay. that's my new catchphrase. What up, EA? Hey. Hey, yay, yay. And in case you pod people, I like that, are wondering who they could hear from, David Byrne. They might be giants. Shirley Manson. Sadie Dupuis. Deerhoof. Monieri. There are so many. But it has really been such an incredible journey so far and this week's episode is truly special sadly though it's our last episode reporting from the splendid sled island 
Music and Arts Festival in Calgary. It was my first time visiting Canada. A. A. And <laughs> truly, it was an amazing experience. In addition to, obviously, the countless incredible live performances that I got to watch, I was able to make it over to the National Music Center, which I mentioned two weeks ago in my chat before Deerhoof. I went on a guided tour of a must-visit museum. Among the many exceptional exhibitions on display was Tonto. And if any of you follow me on Instagram, you will see that I took many a photo of Tonto. We're going to have to put that up again on the podcast Instagram page at TMBTGPod. That is a behemoth fella. Behemoth. So he is so large that he kind of has his own room, which I love because he's just like fancy and so far this just sounds space. like we're talking about an ogre or something. You should you should explain who he is. So he it's definitely a he. Tonto it, is definitely it feels he. That way. he is the first and largest multi timbral polyphonic analog synthesizer and he sounds delicious. He's a massive, beautiful bit of machinery. Um, completely all-encompassing and completely enveloping. And I'll have pictures on our Instagram page, as Adam said. I saw these photos and I just immediately felt like I was sitting at no, the station, so moving all sorts of dials <laughs> that I don't know what they do. It just seemed like a must-see experience. Another highlight. Let's get off Tonto. He's taken too much time. Freaking cheeky bugger. So another highlight was the Nova Chord, which is a beautiful white piano. And there are only six in the world, which sounds... I, I don't know. How do you convey it? Six. Only six. That's the, almost as many fingers as I have. <laughs> Speak for yourself. And three of them live in Calgary. And I say live because it's a living and breathing thing. Is it three in addition to this one though, right? Yeah. So, so four there's total. four in total that live of in Calgary. The of the six. And so to tell you how in demand they are, I was told by our brilliant tour guide Cameron, hello, that Brian Eno himself contacted the music center in hopes of buying the piano, but he got shot down. You tell Brian Eno no. <laughs> you tell Eno no. Eno e no. No. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, embarrassing that I said that was good. Finally, I was lucky enough to see the official Rolling Stones mobile studio. It, um, I think, so the, the story loosely from what I remember because I was smiling so much that my ears closed, because that happens. <laughs> um, in 1968, the Rolling Stones tour manager, Ian Stewart, he couldn't get Rolling Stones into the studio because they were just so out of control. So instead, he built a control room to control them and their music, but he built it into the back of the bus and the band wound up recording most of their album Sticky Fingers and also Exile on Main Street. And they recorded that there and then also other legends used it as well. So, so, so you can actually hear that sound, that special Rolling Stones tour van sound on... Multiple Led Zeppelin Multiple, records. exactly, Led Zeppelin. And who else? Frank Zappa and Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood freaking Mac and the National Music Center is just they have it. And then somebody obviously piped up in the in the crowd how much, you know, how much is it? And the guy said that it's priceless. priceless. 
Which That's a piece of absolute rock and roll history right there. Yeah, and it's amazing. That we got to actually step inside and the little windows have the, the original curtains as well, the little drawstring curtains. It's fascinating and you must go visit. Suffice it to say, head to Calgary. It will be worth it to see this mobile <laughs> it's unit It's definitely worth alone. it. It's definitely worth it. Um, but so while at the festival, I was also graced with a heartwarmingly comfy conversation with one of my all-time favorite bands, Y Oak. And uh, let me just tell you that I have been hyping Shriek as one of my favorite albums for a long time. Um, it is such an amazing magnetic kind of capsule that will you know, really help you through if you are needing help through anything. And uh, I just remember driving the long roads of uh, Cape Town, uh, Half Bay Road specifically for anybody who is listening for South Africa. Shout out Cape Town. Um, And that was such a perfect soundtrack. And Tween also was fantastic two years ago. That kept me obviously wanting more. And then I got more because I'm a greedy bugger. <laughs> this year, the louder I call, the faster it runs. It brims with an inescapable... It's just this energy. And Jen and Andy have such a beautiful kind of toolkit of guitar and percussion and synthesizer. And they build mountains and valleys of symphonic bliss. Listen to me getting all hyperbolic and stuff. You insisted I listen to this record. It's a great and record. And it did not disappoint. And obviously we shared a little makeshift studio space with the duo before their performance. And to be honest, that whole conversation was exactly what I had always imagined and wanted. They, they had this little warm kind of repartee and it was sweet and there's a beautiful musical chemistry. And so get ready to feel that beam of light. This is me, Jen and Andy, live once again from Sled Island. Enjoy! So... I know that I've said thank you, but I know I often don't go and do much press when an artist is on tour because you have no time to yourselves. So I feel a little bit guilty, but thank you for oh, fitting me in. Don't feel guilty. We actually have plenty of time on this little trip because, yeah. you know, we usually have so much more to do when we're traveling around. And this is just, you know, we fly in, we play one hour long set and we hang out and we go for a dip in the hot tub so this is not the time to feel sorry for us yeah <laughs> this is this is good for me are you gonna are you, i thought you were gonna say you feel sorry for me oh no no i mean you know i i have no idea what your schedule is like but it's i could bad. feel sorry for you if you want yeah. well the only thing <laughs> is that certain i suppose i like city takeovers of festivals i think that it's a big thing that's coming up now and most of the ones that i cover like Leges who in netherlands i don't know if you've heard about that yes. one and iceland airwaves also they take over like mm-hmm. the cities we have so, one in where we live in north carolina called hopscotch oh yes well. i've yes. heard about that i've always wanted to go great festival yeah. Yeah. And it's a similar uh like curated there's a, a guest what like guest, guest uh, resident artist who yes. will always go around and play at different venues and yeah. sit in with people like deerhoof is doing here yeah exactly and i think the guest who also does different people choosing like last year perfume genius he mm-hmm. chose a bunch of people and then you get to see what the artist likes which i suppose is 
interesting. But it does make things obviously a little bit difficult because then you have to get from one venue to yeah. the next. Yeah. If you're wanting to see everything. But yes. I don't necessarily even mind that too because I feel like it gives you a little bit of a break in between yeah. things. Not and like a festival. Yeah. And, and you're also just in that world. Yeah. And you're in different spaces too which is nice to sort of break up the monotony. Yeah. In that. Also Moogfest uh, which happens in Durham mm. where we live was a similar thing. You know some of the shows were in theaters. Some of them were outside. Some of them were in a church. And there's you get a very different show going experience in yeah. those kinds of spaces. So it's it's, it's nice true. to sort of when you're seeing a lot of live music in a very condensed amount of time it's nice to kind of break it yeah. up a little bit and then you can also learn a little bit about the city as well mm-hmm. so yeah. like each venue will obviously have its own like history you know because the truth is i don't know if you agree but i quite like festivals that have the city that they're in as a On representative yeah. yeah i think it's a little weird if you like like i went went to this one festival in poland I want to shit talk them. But it was like in the middle of nowhere, you know, and like it was great. Yeah. Well, I can, I'll shit talk like the, the like Coachellas of the <laughs> world where you're like in a tent city so and you're in, there, there's Lala like nowhere Pizza. to escape mm. the humanity mm. and the like $5 bottles of yeah. water of it all. And you, you, you can't. Five dollars also is low for it's twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah like you're a in bottle of water. Yeah, no, and that's very low. Like two thousand and two. Yeah, yeah, you're living in this like Mad Max world where yeah. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. But yeah, to be able to just sort of dip out of festival world and be in a, a cool city and just kind of like reset your system mm. a little bit, I think is a really what great yeah. way to do it. Especially just because it gets so rough sometimes at those big festivals. I mean, you guys have played pretty much every type of different venue, right? I I don't know. I mean, there are probably some out there, but I mean, I feel like we've got a we've been doing this for like ten or eleven years mm. now, so we've probably got a pretty good slice of the venues that <laughs> yeah. the world has to offer. Is there? Do you like playing those big festivals? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You I didn't hesitate at all. Oh just no, I hate them. I truly hate them. Um, they are I, a bit horrible, right? I mean, I you know. At the same time, it's like, I, you know, people, please keep paying me to uh, come and play your festival because it's, I need a job. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, how you make, yeah. But I do money. feel like, just from a personal standpoint, I find them very anxiety-inducing. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, one of the positives can be, you know, seeing a lot of people that you don't see normally, people in, you know, your your colleagues right, in the touring okay. world. Yeah. Um, so that can be fun. But I do think, um, I, I would prefer, I think, I prefer things in general on a little bit of a smaller scale. Mm. Like um, this. Yeah, and, and the sheer like gig, the, play a gig here. Exactly, and yeah. yeah, like the sheer mass of humanity that you have to encounter at these bigger festivals—it's mm. just really, really overwhelming. And yeah, I end up feeling bad for people because you know when I'm there, I have like a place to go. Exactly, you've got but, like a little safe haven. Yeah, and I for just, me oof. too. I know. I feel like I also sometimes try and put that into some of my reviews as well. That like I am treated to a bathroom Mm -hmm. and like little things that are so you don't even realize are you know Mm -hmm. bare necessities and then you like reviewing and telling the public about this amazing experience but the truth is like i do get a little bit of a preferential treatment of course maintain your humanity a little bit (laughs) yeah you know what i mean (laughs) a little bit a little bit but did you go to like big music festivals when you were younger like before (laughs) You started before it being... was our job. Yeah, before that was exactly uh, not a ton. You, get, you know, we started doing this when we were pretty young. I think we started touring when we were like nineteen or mm. twenty, and I'm in my early thirties now. 
I didn't go to a ton of them. You know, we would. I think we went to the odd like big, big concert or big big festival that came through where we grew up outside of Baltimore. But yeah, for the most part, most of my experiences with them have been from the side of the artist, and so yeah, um, I can't even imagine. I mean, I think about it a lot. These people paid to be here. They and, pay to stand in the and, sun and to stand in the sun <laughs> and to, yeah, and to shell out tons yeah, of money. And it's so just expensive. like it's so expensive. I do think it is some a little bit um, the, the territory, the terrain of the young people who are a little bit uh, better suited to mm-hmm. uh, deal with the kind of extreme. Uh, taxing environment just yeah. to be around people and loud and loud sounds <laughs> yeah but now i'm just like i can't i can't deal I'll be around people or loud sounds yeah. yeah no i hear you and i think like the operative word is anxiety mm-hmm. it is really yeah. one of those things that can like trigger you but especially as a fan because you feel like that you're being thrust into this world especially if it's like in a field like a coachella or a Lollapalooza where you feel like you can't, like, get away from everything. Mm-hmm. But then you do obviously get the chance to, like, see mm-hmm. new, a lot of bands at once. So I suppose there's yeah. al- there are, like, good and bad things. I suppose Primavera Sound, I don't know if you guys have mm. ever been there. No, never. That is I've an amazing... Great, yeah. yeah. In terms of playing it and going, I can imagine right. playing it would be incredible. Yeah. That's the type of place that really nurtures mm-hmm. the people that are there. And mm-hmm. so you get like a bit of an older crowd. Right. But so wait, where did you say you grew up? Outside Baltimore? Outside of Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the east coast of the US of A. Um, and uh, yeah. But I, just real quick, I just wanted to yeah. say, it, um, something just popped in my mind yes. hearing you talk about this. I think a lot of the sort of dissonance that I feel between myself and and the general sort of music consuming mm. uh, culture has to do with this idea of of quantity mm. over quality, and I sort of feel like, especially now, there's so much more music that is out there. And there's so yeah. people's attention spans are so short, and there's so much happening, and there's so many outlets, and there's so many festivals, mm-hmm. and I think I've noticed this sort of like shift in, in attitude of the in the realm of the music fan to sort of like adopt this kind of completist collection based mindset, yeah. which is why I think a giant music festival like that would appeal to someone mm-hmm. who's just like trying to check off all the boxes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I I come from this place where like I think I absorb less fewer things yes. but i want to have a more like complex long-term nuanced appreciation of them i want to give them my, more of my attention yeah. over a longer span of time so quality yeah quality, quality over quantity yeah. and so i feel like you know inevitably i miss a lot of stuff because there is there is a sort of like fomo at, you know even for me to be like god there's so much and so I can't, much to do i can't possibly have a relationship with all of it yeah um but then you have to ask yourself like what what is the place of music in my life? And and it's I think I think for me I'm more in the realm of like having a kind of like more intense and direct relationship with fewer things mm. than necessarily trying to see a little bit of everything that's out there or listen to every record that's been released once. Yeah. You know, I want to find the one record that I really, really connect with yeah. and I want to spend a lot of time, give it my attention, you know? This is amazing to hear. I definitely don't do that because I just like gobble everything up. It's your job. But, but I don't, I certainly understand the need for it and i certainly do try especially just filtering i think we don't have a filter anymore because things are thrust like in our face you know and culturally they that idea is um of of 
taking something and nurturing it and spending time with it is like oh I, at least like it's a very un-American concept. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that much. It's like yeah. people like you're taught you're, you're you're taught to think that that is like um, that you're yeah FOMO like you said mm-hmm. like you're missing out on something and so yeah you it's like you guilt yourself mm-hmm. for not knowing every single thing that's happening at any given moment. Do you moment. feel guilty ever? I mean, I feel guilty all the time for various reasons. I don't know <laughs> if I feel guilty about that. I do yes. I do worry that I, I'm missing out on things that I would really enjoy. But, I mean, I also think that the amount of recorded music that exists and has existed in the history of, you know, recorded mm. music that we've been able to, to make mm. is, is so vast that if, even if I spent every waking moment of the rest of my life listening to music, I could mm. never consume all mm. of it. And so it's just, it has to be about something different. But I also think that like, yeah. you and I, we have very different jobs. I don't want to sound judgy about it, you know, like judgy. you're, yeah, <laughs> I judge Jen, um, that, uh, you know, your, your job as is to sort of like, Consume. Uh, consume and to know about what's happening and there's just a lot more that you are exposed to yeah and my job is to make stuff and i feel like that's just a lot more of a like contemplative uh isolated yeah personal thing yeah um, i do so. feel though that that can you imagine somebody who is not 10 years or 11 years into this on your side how much they probably are feeling the pressure to consume and be inspired and listen to everybody around them and make sure they're getting every single note right you know there's like a level (sighs) of perfectionism in obviously beginners or immaturity Mm -hmm. which I think is difficult so also for me when I first started out you know writing stories and telling people's stories I certainly was consuming much more than I do now Mm -hmm. you know I do have that filter now because mm-hmm. I know exactly what I like mm-hmm. and I know exactly what I would potentially like mm-hmm. but it is very overwhelming I think in, in not in our jobs but I think generally world stuff mm-hmm. just everything is so well, so loud that's a big part <laughs> of I think just my general anxiety yeah. it's actually a big part of what our record that we put out is about not to like be all yes. smooth transition on you but like <laughs> it's true it is it, I mean so wonderful your record I'm like thank a you. massive oh, but I'm like a openly gushy fan oh, which is fine well, I'm not even it. embarrassed by that well t- yeah. I'm, I don't think you should be I think it's great to like <laughs> well, things I have to be professional sometimes no, no, but I, I don't mean, care for this people you know? people should be I mean I don't know I just feel like it's it's refreshing when people are open and earnest about the things that they like I hate I'm just tired of the attitude right. of being yeah. like cold and yeah cool like about why it. do you think it's something to be proud of that you're difficult to it's difficult for you to feel joy mm, and, mm. and and experience like a genuine love of something. Like yeah. that's that seems like that's a bummer for you. So I think it's also <laughs> like, difficult to enjoy a band's entire oeuvre. You know, it's like difficult <laughs> yeah. oeuvre. It's like difficult to love a band for a very long time. And I'm sure you have the same relationships with bands that you knew when you were younger. Mm. It's like it gets very tricky when you get old and you're like, oh shit. I yeah. don't really know what they were really singing about, and now I do, and it's yeah. complicated. But, like, sh- I mean, Shriek, for me, that was, if you ever visit South Africa, that is mm-hmm. the, the best oh. album to listen to Thank when you're you. driving around. I, I cannot imagine that I would go to South Africa and listen to <laughs> my own record. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be maybe not quite in my... Uh... <laughs> you don't do that? But if I could, if I could not be myself, if I could like take a mo- take a vacation yeah. from my own brain for a day, I totally would, and I totally believe you. And thank you. Going back to what we were talking about before of just how difficult it is 
there's so much more that's out there that we're able to consume and yeah. we're expected readily to available yeah and we still have the same finite brains that we've mm. always had and you know i've noticed i feel like i've noticed such a general uptick in sort of anxiety and uh just people feeling overwhelmed and and detached from their own mm. bodies mm. and deta- i don't know it's just i feel like it's just an absolute it's a breeding ground for mental illness and, mm. and depression and dissatisfaction and anxiety mm. that we that we expect from ourselves to consume all of this information mm. um, well, somehow. And you're, and you're expected not only to consume it, but to also like spit it out and project oh my your gosh. own opinions yes. on it at all times. And if, if you don't do that, then somehow you're missing out on your you know this this uh, expectation like it didn't happen yeah you just yeah like if you don't share it on instagram yeah. or tweet about it right. that's it it's and done it's, it's my least favorite thing i hate it so much um because what, what, like social media or the thought sh- of yeah, doing that all of it i mean i yeah, hate, I hate, I hate all social of it. media it, it is so anxi- it's either anxiety producing for me or i just feel so painfully embarrassed to be yeah watching myself like you know when i when i see someone having an experience and then immediately they go and they pick up their phone it disappoints me to Scary. a certain extent even though I do it you know I have to do it I'm mm. expected to do yeah. it but at the same time it's it it takes me out of that experience in a way that I think is is really unfortunate do you feel like i don't know if you heard about like jack white's latest uh, shenanigans i don't know if that's the right <laughs> can jack white have What's a shenanigan i mean What's i did that crazy I, 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 I roll he like made people in a milwaukee show or some one of the shows mm. but he basically told everybody to lock away their phones in these pre oh, right, yeah, right. You, to, you, you like lock it in a bag that you can't something, access something you can zip up and lock away yeah, that's, a, that's so, far away from you i don't really know about this but i think there's actually like a company that provides that service no yes absolutely you, you are yeah, right you, they you are like hire lockers. this company and they yeah they like are like the security yeah. team at the show but rather than providing security they're taking people's what mobile do you, devices what do you think about that I mean I understand I definitely understand why as an artist who knows what it feels like to go on stage and just instantly see an All ocean of screens pointing at you that's a nightmare I, I've never feels, actually thought about it from your side which is the awful. strangest feeling it yeah. feels awful and it's just it. Fe- I mean truly one. I think it's con- a contributing yeah. factor to my increasing discomfort with live performance in general because you just really? feel like an animal in a cage when I mean, you feel like you're in at the zoo and, yeah. and people i think also you know people get very familiar with seeing an image of you mm. projected to them on these devices and then when they see you and they've connected life, to your art as well yeah. which is a huge but it's like it's almost like you're not even a human being i mean i've had people come up to me and just like to my face like right in front of me you know, take a picture of me without asking or like, you know, just, it's just, it's like, like I'm not even a human with feelings and emotions and, and it's, it's, it's profound. I don't even, they don't, they don't mean it to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. more unsettling. It would be actually, it would make sense if it was just disrespectful. No, it's like you aren't a human. It's, they, yeah, it's you're just like a, a detachment from not just my humanity, but theirs in that like we no longer are expected to go through yeah. emotions of like looking at each other in the eyes and being like, hello, I see you. You are a fellow like, human. Like, hi. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, Especially because our interaction with other human beings is so limited. Mm-hmm. So even just having the courtesy, you know, yeah. to just say hello. Yeah. I don't know. I, have you ever, like, you've never done that. I mean, I've never taken a, 
usually I don't even take photos of who yeah. I talk to. It's gr- it's very it's devastating. It's like a, yeah. not a cool experience. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to put somebody through that, I certainly know what the impulse feels like. Yeah, though. and I have to. Well, they see have other people doing check. it. Yeah. yeah, you have to keep it in check because it's it's very it's natural now. We have our phones with us all the time. We see something funny, haha, that's great. We want to take a picture of it so mm-hmm. we can show all of our friends and make you know funny jokes about it. I I have the same impulse. It's just it's frightening how much even with me, someone who. I feel like I'm pretty sensitive to this stuff. I still have this moment of being like, oh, look at that person's shirt. And then, no, that's a person. You have to take a breath, remember. Thank God you are still sensitive to it. I feel like if you weren't, then something would have switched off. And especially the type of music that both of you make and all the different projects that you're involved in, I don't think that that would ever add up. Like, yeah. I read this weird, it was, I don't know when it was, but like Interview Magazine did this piece with you mm, yeah. where they like were commenting about how weird it was for you to share photos that you had taken. Oh yeah, totally. I that know. was like the most, I don't know, I'm like not trying to like start a beef, but <laughs> that was like the strangest experience because I was like, wait, she said she's not comfy, but now you're going to make a whole <laughs> article about how... She's yeah. not comfy. We tried Which to is do. Also, also amazing that Interview Magazine. Yes, has, yeah. did the that's, that's now the the uh, whole structure of like what. Yeah. Well, they, oh, I mean, RIP for Interview Magazine. Yeah, yeah. but but they, we actually I remember that because they were like, we want to do this, and I was like, I'd rather just do an interview, and they're like, we're not really doing just like straightforward interviews anymore, and I was like, but you're Interview Magazine. <laughs> It's so embarrassing. Yeah. So I mean, and honestly, the dude I talked to for that article was awesome. He was yeah, great. it, it was came a great out interview. well. Yeah, it and came I'm, out really well. I'm pretty good at this point in my career of like taking if if there's a question that I don't want to answer, sort of like you learning the delicate skill of like figuring out how to turn my answer into something I want to say, mm. even if it means I'm not directly right. Instead of like shutting down or yeah. shutting them down. Yeah. You should but, go into politics. No <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, like, are you in the right thing? I would hate that. God, I can barely do this job that I have. Um, but tell me, did you always have that uh, feeling toward live performance and feeling a little uncomfy? Because you don't ever seem uncomfortable up there. And is, I know that is the trick. That is the trick, yes. But you I'm, never I'm generally, feel uncomfy. I'm generally... If, if not physically uncomfortable, like nervous, I'm psychologically uncomfortable. Mm. I don't love attention the way some people do. Um, I don't really yeah. like to be looked at. I, it's it's sort of a necessary side product of doing what I love to do, which is mm. to make music, to record music, to make albums. Um, but it's it's become, I think the, the real problem now is that it's become uh, such a, the, the dynamic between recorded music and live music is so mm. skewed heavily in favor of live performance because it's the of only course. part of the industry where it's possible to make any kind of money whatsoever. Yeah. And so, which is very strange. It's re- it well, puts yeah, a lot of pressure on that side. It's, it's very lopsided. Yeah, yeah, it's super lopsided. And I don't. I mean, and so it actually and gets to the point where. I really have to separate myself. Like I, I try to leave my body sometimes because I'm, I'm so not emotionally mm. present in the material that I'm, uh, you not delivering because okay, so you I because I've done disle- it so disconnect. many. Okay, yeah, because I've done it so many times. It's just it's out of repetition. Anything that you do enough times becomes routine. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how. I mean, I was thinking about mm. this last night because we went and saw Phil Elverum play. Did, were you there? Um, I was at the Mount Airy show, and it was just... It was at the first time you'd seen I've it. I've seen him before. Yeah. I've seen him do his that record before. Um, obviously, it's an extremely emotionally intense 
taxing thing for I assume for him obviously for him to do but for anyone else to experience um but I was thinking about it from from the position of imagining what it must be like I mean I'm sure he's done that show now at this point hundreds of times and anything that you do that many times becomes routine it must it has to it's just part of the the human brain's ability to adapt and everyone has you know weird off shows they don't want to be there they don't want to be doing it Mm. and I can't imagine what it must feel like to deliver that material in you know yeah that many times in in and I just it just was really tripping me out last night thinking about what it must be like to take something so intensely personal and raw and and turn it into it yeah. some way, like this routine thing that you have to do. Over I also think time. we spoke yesterday. He was we chatted yesterday, and he I saw his performance in Netherlands that mm-hmm. people were like on the floor sobbing, and I'm not being hyperbolic. Oh, I know. People I mean, were absolutely I, like I've th- cried distraught. through both of the. Sh- I mean, I've seen him do that show yeah. a couple times now, and yeah, just, I was just distraught. I'm just a yeah. mess. I'm just a wreck. It's brutal, and I think that I think most of probably what happens, and this is what I'm assuming, which is probably wrong, but most most of probably what happens is that he sees the crowd. Mm-hmm. So that's why he said he often just has his eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, the venue yesterday, which is, I think, where you guys are playing later. It's too bright. So bright. Can I, you the ask weirdest. them to turn the light? I'm not even kidding. I know. I'm, will I, you you will, I will assure you that they. I will. if there's any way that those lights can be out, they just will be out. Just out. Totally It weirded even. me out. It weirded me out so much. It was such you a strange place. You could see everybody walking and the kids, like, wearing these crazy dresses. <sighs> Crazy no, it fashions. Was, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy. <laughs> no, I had this similar experience. And, I, and it, because I've performed so much and because I have such a weird, tenuous relationship to being on stage and I struggle with it so much of the time, I couldn't help but think how strange it must be for him to Singing be in a scenario like that and to have to yeah. deliver that material in that kind of an environment. It just I, – I, I mean, aside from being affected by the music itself – which is devastating to be to think about what it must feel like for him. I mean, because you know, I know it's like you're on stage. People sort of feel like there's a separation, but like mm-hmm. you can see, people. you can see everybody They're right in front of you. You can see. People. There's no. Have you ever seen something totally like? Because you know, yesterday I don't know if you were there from the beginning, mm-hmm. but he t- said to the photographer, don't take pictures, "Yeah, why the hell that photographer was close up? I mean, oh I took, sh- I so shoot rude. photos as well, and I was told, especially for his yeah, show, be and sensitive, be Read sensitive, the room. just freaking <laughs> sit at the back. Yeah. You don't need to get an up close of him. Like, no, what are and you it's doing? Just, and that's the thing. It's it's just, and it's exactly what we're talking about is that we have sort of culturally become Mm -hmm. conditioned to think about performers, musicians, and music as this sort of like commodity that is completely detached from the humanity Mm -hmm. of the person delivering it. And yeah, and it's like, it's weird. Like, I understand people want to take pictures and be like, look at me, I'm at this show. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. But what, you know, when you spend... There's no consideration. Yeah, when you spend an hour and a half on stage and the entire time there's just strangers that you don't know getting up in your face and just holding their phone. I mean, or in the videos too, that's the worst. It's just like... Instagram stories. Oh, it's the worst. Have you had really bad experience? Like, I don't want to psychoanalyze anything because that is not fair. <laughs> well, I it's do. Not, <laughs> I want to. But I just wonder if something triggered you to be this way or, uh, you know, to be hypersensitive and aware of all the stuff that's making you feel uncomfy for both of you or... Were you always like this? The beautiful irony of the whole situation is that I think my sensitivity is the exact trait that 
allows me <laughs> to create music in the I first know, place. I know, I was going to say, like, Like, yeah. the things that make me capable Frightening. of writing and performing and connecting with uh, a, a level of, of feeling, yeah. uh, an undercurrent of, of feeling that you have, that mindset that you have to get into to mm. be creative, to produce, those mm-hmm. are the same traits that mm-hmm. make it very, very difficult to do all the other parts of the job of mm-hmm. a musician in a professional capacity, mm-hmm. professional performer mm. um so it's it's a it's a real it's a problem that i haven't yet figured out how to solve and i'm not entirely sure that there is a solution no the other thing i would say about that is like as a as a professional musician artist you're you're expected to it's like 50 percent of the job is being like a content creator at this point you know the mu- making the music is is the is one thing but like yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's pr- true. It, promotion is like is so important because exactly there's like what we were saying there's so much noise there's so much music there's so much content Mm. to to go up against and i think something we both feel is like that music like making art in general Mm. is like if you think I mean, you've talked about this a bunch. Like, if you think too much about it, mm-hmm. then everything is dumb. Yeah. Like, it's all... It, totally. It's just, like, you have to create some sort of, like, construct wherein you can, like, release the sense of uh, yourself doing it. Yeah. And just, like, give yourself over to it. And playing within this, like, social media construct of it all, it just, like, ruins it all. And so you have to figure out w- ways to do it. And I don't know. I, I, I think... Trying to um, play into, like, art as capitalism mm. and art as art, like, mm. they just never work together. No. And so that, you know, I think there are people who can, without any irony or without any, like, um, I don't know, self-hatred or <laughs> yeah. something, they can they can easily like navigate those waters but it's always super tough for us Mm -hmm. to to be to be like self-promoting basically yeah and not feel just like really icky about it because it is it's a horribly gross feeling but then how do you navigate like especially because of the cycle of how things work for you and playing also because i was looking creeping around and looking at like how many places you've actually played so, like, there are bands who are like, fuck that, I'm just going to stay in North America, live mm-hmm. in my bubble, and look, it works. They make money. Mm-hmm. But you guys have obviously, over the last few years, and with both of your projects, you've been able to travel to so many different places internationally, UK, Germany, Switzerland, and you're dealing with all these different cultures as well. Have you found that you feel a little bit comfier in certain countries? with, Or have you found that... It, kind of really doesn't matter and a fan is a fan i mean i think there are fewer differences that i've noticed in you know once you're inside of a venue <laughs> yeah. people are people you know yeah. audiences are audiences it's there are times i mean i think my favorite moments in those scenarios mm-hmm. which you know because of the 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 larger you get as a band not that we're like some huge band but like no, but you are the more yeah. boundaries there are between you and people that yes. you're playing for okay and and my favorite things that happen are actually being able to 
meet and speak to and make a genuine like one-on-one or, or small group connection with people, um, which is not really something that happens in the midst of a performance. It's something that happens either before oh, or after. after. Okay. And it's not so something you do that, like engage with your fans. Sometimes. I like to. I mean, sometimes okay. it can be difficult because uh, yeah, the numbers of and you know, depending on the scenario, it can be difficult uh, to allow. You know, I mean. And Open also, as a singer, it's tough because it's like, okay, you know, if I'm playing 50 shows yeah, how in a can row, you talking? yeah, I can't go out and yell over loud house music every night or I'm not going to be able to yeah. sing. So, you know, a lot of the reasons why I got into wanting to make songs and sing them for people, which is the sort of genuine connection of a real performance where I'm actually in mm-hmm. my body, I'm actually like there really delivering something that feels immediate. And then also being able to encounter and interact with those people as a human Mm. as as just a person Mm. um directly um those things become fewer and further between when uh you succeed at making music your job because the Mm. venues get bigger the security happens the crowds yeah there's a little bit more of a Um, distance and And it's it's repetition it's it's the same show the same songs over and over Mm. and over every night it's it's um and sometimes to me, it, the saddest thing of all is that it feels like we're doing this like very successful pantomime of being a band, being a, like a true like va- viable <laughs> yeah. creative thing for money. Like we're we're yeah. just sort of like putting on, on the, show. the show, yeah. Um, and that's what people you know want to see. And my experience, what's going on in my head while that show is happening, doesn't really isn't noticeable to the mm. people who were watching it. Um, would you not do it at all if it were up to you? Like, if, if you were given a platter of mm-hmm. everything you want in life mm-hmm. and recording the <laughs> recording an album right. and making your art was a thing separate to... Totally. You, would, you wouldn't perform. My My ideal would be, uh, I think absolute ideal would be um, make a record a year mm. and play, you know, mm. maybe a handful of shows, maybe 10. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 10, maybe 15 shows a year. I mean, that would truly be the dream for me. Yeah. And I think, because then I feel like I would actually, I would be present and excited at every single show that I played. Yeah. It's so tricky because I'm almost yeah. like, why can't you cut it down? But then that's silly because then you can't do it. Because then we need to yeah. get jobs. Yeah. And if we're getting jobs, we can't, we, can't, then... we can't play shows because we're at our jobs. And it's, honestly, this is something that I feel like we're trying to figure out right now. Yeah, like, which is good. It's not, yeah. it isn't a judgment. It is something oh, yeah. that I think is worth uh, unpacking because I feel like there is this mask which mm-hmm. is actually half the reason why I do I'm doing this little passion project absolutely yeah. I think there's this mask behind the world of live music where people don't even realize how there are real people involved in every part of the process yeah and you are not in a zoo and I think that it is very important to make sure, especially on the road. Yeah. And there's a there's like I think culturally a perception like people who are t- touring musicians, <laughs> yes. making music, they're Rock they're stars. like getting out there on stage because mm. they love it, mm. and like it's like soul soul energy for them to get mm. out and be like be in front of people, and that's like how people derive energy, which mm. like. 
Absolutely. For some people, that's totally true. There are people who like that's the best part of their whole their whole day, their whole life. And I have I've spoken to artists, and it's legitimately true. Totally. And those people, those people are natural performers. Yes, that's what they want. There's a difference. I feel like that people think that there's not a difference. And I, I, you know, I got into music for a different reason. It's it's much more personal, emotional private mm. um and it's less about getting out on a stage in front of people mm. um it, and and i think people who are naturally accustomed to entertain to be an entertainer as mm. a job they're well suited to you know the way they, these things are, are mm. expected to go yeah. but not everyone who's a musician who makes art wants to do that or is able i mean honestly at this point it's such a tricky thing because mm. Even talking about it feels dangerous to I me. I know, I know. I was going to say that. I'm super, Every, I hear you. It I'm feels dangerous because, yeah. because, and it, I hope that this changes because people are dying. Yeah. Because it's really a difficult way. Most, the vast majority of bands who do this job are doing it in under duress, uh, not under duress, but like under extremely difficult circumstances. Yes. And like I said. It doesn't make any sense for a human being to do that job. It's a difficult. If you look at it on paper. I've done a lot of jobs. Yeah. It's a difficult job. Yeah. It's it's emotionally and physically taxing. You're not getting any sleep. You're not getting any exercise. You're, you're under a ton of stress. You're constantly in motion. You're eating like shit. Mm. Um, and you're not, you know, generally, we, we tour in a van, you know, we do all of our driving. We do all of our loading. Mm. We're up late at night we're up early in the morning it's a 24-hour job and for people who are very sensitive it's emotionally i think that's the thing that's scary about it is that it's emotionally very difficult in a way that many jobs that are hard physically are Mm. not Mm. um and these are people who are 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 sensitive Mm. these are people who are already inclined in many ways towards mental illness anxiety depression yes because that's why you make music in the first place right (laughs) and and like notably you know there are different like levels like stratas of touring Mm. and like certainly at certain you know you you move up to a, a the next echelon or something and like some things are made easier but like if you're playing a full, you know, album cycle, a touring mm-hmm. cycle and playing a hundred shows on a record, like mm-hmm. no matter what level you're doing it at, your life is going to get fucked up in some way or another. Yeah, and like people who normal. are doing these, like, you know, flying on private planes or something, they're still like, they, they still lose normal. any sense of normalcy in their lives or exactly. any like fa- yeah. family normalcy. And, 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 you know, I, I think you can very often find that the people who are doing it at the 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 highest level are mm. are the people who feel the emptiest you know and here's mm. the thing like it's okay. dangerous to to say these things out loud and it shouldn't be because I don't think it's dangerous. I think it's controversial because it isn't spoken about. I don't think it's dangerous. I think it's, it is only the the only yeah. way. One on one is You're, the only way to get something. Controversial out is the right word, yeah. and I and I think because I think people. Um, they don't want to hear artists complain. Moan. I know nobody wants to hear but you whining. You have the best yeah. life. We're in the, the world. Uh, yeah, we're the, <laughs> best, the best life. I mean, yeah. but it's it's really unfortunate that that's people's response because mm-hmm. that means people who are struggling, people who are suffering, Re- feel really don't feel like there's up. anyone they can talk yeah. to. I mean, even for me, when I've been at my most depressed and unstable, if I mention that to someone who's not necessarily in the industry and knows what mm-hmm. my life is like. Their, their response is, oh, go fuck yourself. You, yeah, have, a you have a great life. What life. are you sad about? And it's like people people are dying. Like everyone's just like, we don't want to hear you complain because we think you have this perfect mm. life and we don't really care about it until, oops, you killed yourself. Mm. Oops, you know, like our bad. And yeah, let's just, start worrying after the fact. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's we need 
to talk about how to make these, these this lifestyle more sustainable. But how for do you do people. it? I mean, I don't I don't, I'm not asking other for than, answers, other than like, logically, yeah. how do you both do it? Because you're still sitting right, here right. and you've accepted to do yeah. an hour long, you know, chat. And you know what I mean? So how have you been able to balance that in knowing that it's potentially kind of killing a little bit yeah. of you inside and also carrying on doing it? It's a work in progress. And yeah. I think part of it for me is talking about it. I mean, it's why <laughs> yes. I like talking about it with you, talking yeah. about it publicly, making, you know, making some of these concerns aware, allowing other artists to feel more comfortable reaching mm. out to people when they're struggling. Because I know so many, I mean, God, I can't imagine, so many touring musicians who are friends of mine have been through stuff like this, mm. and they and they do it in silence. They suffer in silence because mm. they can't talk to people about it. Because I think also, you know, people need to believe in the myth. The yeah, because that's what sells tickets. The myth that yeah. you know you can make it mm-hmm. and everything will be perfect right. and you've, yeah. you've got you've got it made and everything's great. For us, it's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I think inevitably we're going to have to start playing fewer shows because we can't sustain it. And or like take on a persona like half of the other people. Like I remember years and years ago, I spoke to like Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> and I swear to God, he was totally normal, you know, and he like wouldn't mind that I'm saying this, mm-hmm. but he puts on an act. Like Alice Cooper, like all those guys from the, like the 80s, yeah. they put on this act because that is there's no way they can sustain that level of performance in their real lives. It's, they have they're to an entertainer. Yeah. Exactly. You have yeah. to separate. But for bands like yours, where you mm. are singing about personal experiences and being, you know, having a, a really beautiful introspective look on things, you're singing about your lives. You can't necessarily disconnect from knowing that that person knows about you. Yeah, and th- I think people, yeah, I understand people want to believe in this myth. And f- like I said, for a lot of people who are more comfortable at enter- and entertaining is their art form. Mm. It's less of an issue. Some people yeah. are well-suited to it. Others are not. It shouldn't be, it's something that people are ashamed to admit that they're struggling with because there aren't very many other outlets available to mm. musicians uh, to make a living, mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're struggling. You know, we struggle. Like we're we're mm-hmm. keeping our heads afloat. Uh, you know, and like you would, I think a lot of people would assume, given the presence that you you know you get from the outside, you, well, you have the to record, portray that. Yeah, yes. that it that it wouldn't be the case. Yeah. but it's it's a very different story on the other side of it. More often than not, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. Also, I just well, also to that effect, like part of the myth is that like you you like somehow at some point you cross some kind of threshold and mm. then like you've quote unquote made it made it, it. yeah and like that's some bullshit right there <laughs> and like something that we end up finding more and more is like talking to people and it's like oh yeah you get told this myth and like even as an artist you believe it and you're mm. like oh yeah I'm working toward this thing and and uh, you know eventually it'll it'll pay off you know mm. and like what you know the reality is the payoff is the like ability to continue to like hustle and do it over and over again and you know for almost everyone there's never any point where you can like say like okay cool it's figured out and yeah let's take a step yeah you you always just have to continue getting in the van it's always coupled with like making it is always coupled with like selling out right because the two kind of go hand in hand you You can't win yeah i mean you can't win you can't win that's why when people are like fuck that band for doing that commercial i'm like fuck you for like 
not thinking of doing something as big you know like obviously you cannot uh, be a different person you have to still remain within your brand yeah but like what's wrong with selling out what's wrong with selling a, a, a song to a movie or a tv show or if it's your only you option know? in some i mean yeah I, I personally i you know i i see it both ways because i struggle with those kinds of things i no, don't like course. the idea of having to like Hand, the only way that I can make money is to be a shill for a yeah. shitty corporation. I and get that. Diluted. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I had a friend of mine who used to say like, well, you know, we had a deal. The fan, you know, you guys, the fan base mm. and us, we had a deal. You buy our records, we don't sell our music to shitty corporations. <laughs> yeah. You broke your end of the deal. Oh, wow. So we have no choice now. And what the fuck are we supposed yeah. to do? But I mean, at the same time, I think for me, the way I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of this stuff and in general, like mm. I, I think I'm sometimes maybe excessively honest person I don't I'm not comfortable not being straightforward with people and sometimes yeah. that means I tell people things they don't want to hear or they're not comfortable I don't know how hearing. else to live I'm not entirely yeah. like I don't yeah. know I don't I'm not like I yeah. feel very I'm like scratching I'm like literally scratched my face yeah because I'm feeling like I don't understand people who can't be that way mm-hmm. and it is very uh especially when you have an artist it's like so transparent it's the whole deal you can see it straight away if the artist is not being real and i'm not saying every artist needs to be on an indie label they're all different it's different stuff everyone's doing a different thing what you need but do you do you feel like i suppose did you ever see a show where you saw that entertainer and it totally blew your mind like you were like wow i wish oh yeah i mean that was how you know i mean absolutely i mean i feel like there are so many. I mean, the vast majority probably of people who who perform at a high level are that type of personality, I would say. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember I saw the Solange show and I thought it was just oh, outstanding on every level. Yeah. The, the whole production was Lighting. so in- intentional and considered and mm. beautiful mm. And, um, and, th- and just thoughtfully composed. Every single moment was was exactly choreographed mm. to, to create an environment and – that that is just I mean that's amazing to watch mm. and I, I admire it you know I mean there are tons of there are tons of people who are just great entertainers who are that's what they do they bring people joy through entertaining mm. and it's remarkable to see mm. um, and I don't know I just think people are this idea of all musicians or all performers even being sort of one and the same or falling under the same umbrella mm. people are so different yeah what people are trying to create and express they're all it's all so different mm. um and i think it's all sort of being kind of channeled into this one very very specific and narrow template for mm. success or viability um or visibility and it doesn't it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of game no um, and obviously if treated like that it's very dangerous yeah which I know it can you be mentioned that word earlier I'm always quite interested in how it started because I do think that there's like a rollover of things that happen in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like a psychologist like let's sit down and talk about when you were five years old. Mm-hmm. But I suppose okay. I want to know how, not how it started, but did you, what was like the first show that you saw <laughs> that you felt, wow, not, not necessarily the first show, but the mm-hmm. one where you saw, wow, I can potentially do that whether it's being a performer or making your own art and sharing it with everybody i don't know if i could really because i'm more of a recording person a songs albums person than a show person i think for me it probably wasn't a show Mm. that made me think about writing songs for the first time i can remember i mean i can remember um 
And also, as a woman, you know, growing up and learning about music, there were very few voices that sounded like me. Mm. I mean, and a lot of my favorite singers, I I had a lot of shame, internalized shame about my own voice Mm. because it was a pretty girl voice. Yes. Finger quotes. Pretty girl voice. And a lot of my favorite singers um, had weird, Mm. um, unusual kind of... Um, I don't know. I mean, I was listening to when I was when I was you know younger, and still now, you know, like people like Bill Callahan or like even like Pavement, you know, mm. Stephen Malcolm, <laughs> yeah, like just kind of yeah, dudes with, with dude voices, mm. and that was a lot of the stuff that I was into when I was younger. And then I remember, you know, I was introduced to Joni Mitchell, and I remember also when I was pretty young, I got a hold of uh, Exile in Guyville, the Liz Fair record, and amazing, yeah. I feel like that those moments sort of hearing someone with uh, sound sounding like me with an experience similar to my own mm. and a perspective similar to my own singing songs mm. that they wrote was those were some of the first times I can remember being like I can write songs I can do this you mm. know like um but yeah I mean it's it it still is it's there's still so much uh there's so much uh that I think about like those days and the the ways that I was trying to I kind of masculinize myself and the music that I was making mm. to fit in with what oh, I God. saw to be yeah. the kind of like canon of like cool popular music. Um, Even Joni Mitchell, Nina Simone, Billy Holiday, all mm. of it, there's some, there's like an underlayer mm-hmm. within the pacing and the tone of their voices mm-hmm. that is very, yeah. uh, it's not masculine, yeah. but it's certainly strong. Yeah. So yeah. if you have a wafty ish voice mm. that is in the upper register, it's, you have to control it and almost bring yeah. it to, a balance and, because it's so yeah. difficult to have people like that. And now I'm yeah. all about it. I'm all yeah. about. I just <laughs> really. I just want to sing, and I want to sing in my real voice, and I want to sing to the voice. to the yeah. top of my abilities as a singer. Um, but I mean, it, it was a lot something that I struggled with for a long time. Mm. I think doing what people expect of someone like me. Um, you know, looking, you know, people expect a certain kind of music. They're like, oh, you, you know, you're a woman with a guitar, so you must be a singer-songwriter. Singer, <laughs> yeah. And for me, I was like, in order to be taken seriously, I need to do something, yeah, like you said, strong, and I need to do something ugly. I, I, I need to do something. Yeah. I need to, That's you know, why your songs have never, there, there's a vulnerability yeah. there, but there is no, it is not soft. Yeah. Like, well, if you are dissonance. listening, it is, yeah. exactly. It and is I heard not, dissonance yeah. as a way that I could maybe get ugliness, um, as a way for people to take me seriously, but um, it is authentic, obviously. <laughs> yeah, as it's, well. oh, it's also so, it's, it's an authentic authentic part of my yeah, taste as exactly. a person. But I think I developed that taste in a lot of ways. I mean, God knows we can go into a whole other conversation about what taste, <laughs> taste. is, because uh, that's yeah. that's one of my favorite things yeah. to think about and talk about. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of our uh, our music has been sort of this weird uh, a reflection of the dichotomy between like my femininity as a woman in the mm-hmm. world and the fact that I've felt in the past unconsciously this need to uh, change or mm-hmm. manipulate that in order to be taken seriously by mm-hmm. a world dominated by largely by men. And so mm-hmm. it's been a real mind fuck, honestly. Like, and a lot of the music that I've made, it's honestly a big part of the why I think I have a hard time connecting with older music because I was less comfortable mm-hmm. with my true self right. then. And now uh, I, I think... Like older material of your yeah own, of your own yeah. Yeah, yeah creation yeah like older music of my own yes because I can hear that strain in my voice of trying to 
But thank God for that, though. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine if you started out, like, all prim and proper in a nice shiny box. Like, it didn't start yeah. out like that. And But it's honest, sad. It's sad for yeah. me to listen back and just hear how much I was trying to change myself so that I, because I felt that I had to, to be taken seriously mm. by other people. Yeah. Or that I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, honestly, this is stuff that, I'm glad that music exists and I'm glad that people connect to it. This is stuff that has to do with my own emotional, psychological relationship to it, which is obviously something that was completely separate from other people's mm-hmm. relationship to it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of part of the beauty of making songs is that what they are to me has nothing to do with what they are to other people. Like yeah. once I hand also, them off. thank God for that. Yeah, once yeah. I hand them off, once <laughs> yeah. they're outside of me. Different world. They're for They're for mm-hmm. other people and other people's reaction to and, and, and relationship to them is, mm-hmm. is completely as valid as mine. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what's so fun about them is that they're, I'm, they're, I'm giving them. Nobody really knows what you, yeah, yeah what you're fe- really feeling. Yeah. But yeah. my relationship with them is complicated and, and inevitably. So, mm-hmm. you know, so. Do and and Andy, do you? Is there was there any? Did you enjoy like watching live shows when you were younger? Is there something that like was memorable for you and stood out like when you were younger? Is there a show that you saw where you just like fuck, yeah, this is what I want to do? Yeah, I I feel like from a very young age I've had. I don't know what else I would have been doing <laughs> other than playing music. And, yes, but uh, yeah, similar to Jen, I think like I, I've always connected more from a production mm. level than from uh from a um live level and like you know sometimes it crosses over i think when we were first starting to make music together we were discovering like um you know bands that ended up being like pr- pr- sort of benchmarks for us stylistically mm-hmm. in our collaboration like uh well like Deerhoof, for instance like we were just completely smitten with that mm. band from early on and and Maybe you know talk about years. yeah it's incredible and like every every different kind of era is inspiring mm. in its own way and so you know and talk about like dissonance they're they're like the they are to me one of the ultimate groups in terms of like balancing this pretty ugly kind mm. of dichotomy and mm. and um so we were listening to a lot of that stuff um early on and 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 taking inspiration from them in terms of production because mm. you know they're, they're like recording and mixing and mastering their own <laughs> yeah, records everything. and doing and and it sounds just completely singular it mm. always has like you can you know everyone's like oh i want to work with like whoever's like mastering those deer hoof records mm. or mixing those deer hoof records it's like oh well like they're them. doing it themselves because <laughs> yeah they, they yeah they just come from that that kind of school and like you know stuff like that stuff like yola tango and 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 like mm. those kinds of artists where it's like oh you're these are not artists that are necessarily doing what's expected mm. to be like the uh they're being appropriate way part. of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, but they're, they're creating their own vocabulary mm. and, um, that's kind of what we've done. And I think like, you know, Yola Tango is also a great example of like a band where like they've created a vocabulary that is like beyond any instrument mm. or any even like really yeah, particular like style. It's yeah. something, <laughs> it's something that's adaptable. Yeah. Their approach is adaptable in, in, um, you know, whatever kind of like weird genre bending they choose to do, you still hear their voice mm. in it, and and that's for us been like. You I know, feel like you through, have that. I don't yeah, know. Like I know you're in it. It's been yeah. It's been a real like it's like a Y O K type of like I don't know like. Yeah, I mean that's what we hope for, and we you know we've made records the last the last couple of records we've made we've 
been really sort of like opening stylistically up to totally different sonics mm. from what we did early on and it's much more and fun i can imagine like yeah. being able to to explore and do oh that. it's great and it's the only it, honestly it's the only way that we would be able to continue yeah. to do it our thing that we always go for is like that you can take uh, um, an approach and you can apply it in a lot of different instrumentations right. or a lot of different yeah. styles and it's still going to feel like you're going to the same place mm. in a way you're just coming from a different mm. angle but i have to wrap i didn't up. answer your question no, no, no. <laughs> oh my God. we I never answer we never <laughs> answer questions i don't know if we i just even talk. ask questions do i <laughs> i don't know we i feel like we, we just talk This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and The Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.